Dotnet Rocks episode 783 with guest Hattie Hariri. Recorded live Wednesday, June 6th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now here are Carl and Richard. Hey, guess what? It's Carl and Richard. We're in Oslo, Norway at the Norwegian Developers Conference uh, day one here. And uh, having a good time. I absolutely am. And you know, they're feeding us all day. There's all these food stations. They're open all the time. There's not like a set lunch anymore. It's like, you want a hot dog? There's a hot dog. You want some ribs? There's some ribs. I think they're following the American model. Eat all the time. There'd be more Twinkies, I think. Uh, yeah. So, But we do have some barbecue here, as we said before in an earlier show. Uh, they did a really good job with the fishbowl this year. They have our pictures up and our logo everywhere. And yeah, it's fun. Yeah, people keep thinking we're the information booth, though. I have folks coming in here speaking Norwegian to me, trying to get extra tables and things. But there are worse problems in this world. Well, it's a great conference, if, and if you're anywhere near Oslo, Norway, you should uh, go next year. But anyway, let's just get started with Better Know a Framework. All right, what do you got? Well, uh, I went looking for um, features of ASP.NET that I might not have seen, and this is a, w- a web forms feature. I, I, that I didn't know existed, but if essentially the page directive, you know, the thing with the, at the very top of the page, uh, in ASP.NET web forms page that has the, uh, at sign page and then it has the, you know, the, the, uh, code behind file and all that stuff. Well, you can put properties on that page's code file and, uh, on the object, the page object, and then access them through the page descriptor. So you could say property name equals and then quotes a value. Cool. Yeah. It's just a feature I didn't know existed. Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. It's good. And it's been there since ASP.NET 2.0. So who's talking to us, man? Grabbed a comment off of show uh, 743, which is the one with Derek Bailey talking about JavaScript frameworks. And this comment comes from Robert Nagby, who says, uh, Dear Carl and Richard, thought I'd pay homage to a listener from an earlier show by addressing this note with some JavaScript that would ad- address the two of you in parallel if I'd forgotten that the language only allows functions to be run in a single thread. That is awesome. Man, that's worth a mug right there. It's too geeky. Uh, as for my comment, I was skeptical about running JavaScript on the server side as I couldn't see the utility of it. I did see some value in it after listening to your show on Node.js, but even then it's still not for me. Then came the tipping point. I started working on an MVC site, and I thought I would use less. That's lesscss.org. It was during this show with Derek Bailey that it popped in my head that running less on the server side would probably be awesome. It just got better and better because I found a library in NuGet called dot less that compiles your less on the server side, and that's at dot lesscss.org. Thanks again, guys, for being there to get my brain working. That's cool, and that is L-E-S-S, not L-E-S or any other spelling of less. Pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, the uh, uh, dot less CSS is uh, a dynamic CSS for .NET. So you write regular CSS in your .NET applications. You add some variables, some rules, and you can do all kinds of cool things. So I'll add the link to the show notes. You should take a look at that. And, Robert, thanks so much for your comment. A mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a mug, just leave a comment on the website, .netrocks.com, or you could send us an email, uh, .netrocks at franklins.net. 
Before we introduce our guests, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training videos online. They have over 250 courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. They release 12 to 15 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access to their vast library. And, of course, they talk about iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything that you can think of on the Microsoft stack. Try it today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that, let me introduce Hattie. Hattie Hariri is a developer, speaker, and technical evangelist at JetBrains. His passions include software architecture and web development. A book author and frequent contributor to developer publications, Hattie has been speaking at industry events for over a decade. He's based in Spain, where he lives with his wife and three sons. He's also an ASP.NET MVP and an ASP.NET insider. Welcome back, Hattie. Thanks, Carl. Thanks. Hi, Richard. It's great to be here. And we had you on the tablet show a while ago at uh, Ordev. Yep, that's right. Talking about the great stuff JetBrains is doing with uh, uh, for for Java developers, yep. actually. Java and uh, Objective C. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So, what are you working on these days? Uh, well, I'm continuing my um, you know, because my my role is evangelism, so I'm doing uh, still you know, doing shows and that. But I'm also developing now uh, a little bit more. I'm doing. Um, I'm actually contributing to the ReSharp source code itself. Wow, cool! So, yeah, um, I committed the other day and I broke the build. Nice. Um, the Congratulations! Next day I awesome. <laughs> I so they, you know, they um, they let me pass, and then I committed again and I broke the build and tests. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'm getting the hang of it, so it's it's good. It's all good. Um, well, so, you haven't arrived until you broke the build and I, ha- suffered a little public humiliation. I know. And, and the thing is that, you know, I do it remotely, so I can just imagine what they're doing at the office. Like, sure. oh, no, he went and did it again. Yeah. They're throwing darts at your picture. Yeah, exactly. What you got to do is just be proud of the number of times. So that means you're innovating, right? Exactly. That means you're trying things. You're thinking outside of the box. Yes. Okay. We, we we'll won't. We way. won't. We won't say what exactly I fixed. Okay. Let's just <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> it sounds better that way. Yeah. And you have some pretty strong opinions about MVC development as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been doing MVC now since pretty much Preview 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and Specifically the Microsoft implementation, ASP.NET MVC. Well, yeah, but I mean, th- I mean, I picked up the MVC, ASP.NET MVC at Preview 1. Mm-hmm. Before that, I was doing a lot of MVC. I was doing it, but not on the Microsoft platform, right. on the Borland platform um, back in 98 or so. We had um, we had this technology. I mean, you probably know it. It was called ISAPI's DLLs, yeah. right? And Borland had this technology called WebBroker, and it was pretty much the same format. It right. was, you know, you had calls into methods, which is the way that MVC works. Um, so I was doing it there. So when they came out with uh, MVC Preview One, I felt li- right at home. You knew exactly. I mean, yeah. in the end, MVC is a pattern. It is a pattern. It should yeah. be technology agnostic. Although, generally speaking, you don't see MVC done well without a bit of tooling around it. Exactly. I mean, I think actually, I mean, you nailed it there because I mean, one of the issues that back in the back in the Borland days we had was that tooling was lacking. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff that you had to do, you had to do manually. And it was a lot of work. And I think that when, when web forms came and you had the drag and drop and you had the user interface, you know, designer and it felt really productive. Yes. You know, we didn't have that in the, in the MVC pattern. Right. So it was, it was quite, you know, tedious. And I think that now what's happened is that there's a lot of tooling around it that has actually, you know, provided things like the scaffolding, things that get you up and running much faster. You make it very simple to just get a couple of tables in place and, and you know, bang, 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 a, a, yeah. a model and a controller set up and you work on the view and there you go. There you go. Yeah. 
for a single page application, is there less need for a for MVC? Uh, not not really, because I mean, if you think of the if you think of MVC as a pattern where you have, you know, you have the model, you have the view, and you have the controller, mm-hmm. right? The single page is pretty much saying, okay, I have one view, right? And then I can update that viewed with what you do partial views or whatever. Or right? your 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 partial views or your view changes all happen yeah. on the client. Yeah. So um, you don't really have But a you're lot still of calling back it. to the server. Right. In essence, you're still calling back to the server. So you still have the entry points. You still have the same kind of pattern. So even though your views aren't aren't doing UI per se, you're, they're still controlling what the UI does. They're providing the data for the UI to update on the client. Yeah, I mean, the, when you when you call out from the UI, from the view out to the server, mm. you're getting the data back, and then your views are actually displaying that. Yeah, right. right. Um, so I, it still applies. I mean, it still applies sure. in the same way. Yeah. Just doing a lot less coding on the server these days. It seems like a lot of people are. There is more of emphasis on JavaScript yeah. now. There is yeah. more um, just pushing it all on the on the client with mm-hmm. like frameworks like uh, Backbone and Knockout and things like that. Yeah, I wonder how much MVC started to sing when jQuery came down the line and gave us some intelligence on the client for controls, essentially. Yeah, I mean that that again that was one of the lacking things, right? Mm-hmm. I mean back then, you know, you had if you want, and one of the problems that people faced when they when they started with MVC, the immediate reaction is like, oh no no no, I'm not going to be writing my HTML by hand and spitting out controls, you know? <laughs> uh, if I want a calendar, I want to drag it on yeah, and get a calendar. Go right? there. Yeah, and then when jQuery came out and people saw, okay, instead of dragging and dropping, all I got to do is just call a method mm-hmm. and I get my calendar. This isn't that bad, right? Yeah. So I think it did help a lot. It did help a lot in that area. Well, I mean, there's, we know the, about the problems in web forms, but the development model, that overall idea of dropping controls onto a page and, you know, trimming them out a little and tidying them up, and then, you know, there's your page, is a good model. We just don't like the form posting, you know, uh, view state behavior that they built yeah. in around that. I I mean I think that you know the issue that arose there was that and you know whatever the history was but basically uh, myth or not they said that we have a lot of visual basic developers yeah. and we need to get them over to the web right so let's try and simulate the they same make model web right. w- make win forms on the web. web web forms and I think one of the issues there is that when people started to move across they lost the notion that they're going I mean one of the problems was they lost the notion they're going from a single machine sorry, from uh, uh, each machine having its own application right. to one machine running 100,000 instances right. of the application, right? And they didn't take into account things like scalability. Mm-hmm. They didn't take into account the whole issue with the view state yep. and the statelessness of HTTP. So they abstracted it so much that then they had to provide ways to overcome this abstraction, which started to become painful. It created some bad practices. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say which Richard's company addresses quite nicely in a box. <laughs> Not that I'm biased or anything, but uh, but at the same time, I mean, MVC to me feels like the first real attempt that Microsoft made to do native web development. But web development itself has evolved. That browsers are far more capable. That that, that we're trying to lighten the load on the server. Like it, you know, irrespective of the the whole postback mechanism being horrifying, the concept of rendering HTML. Computing HTML on the bra- on the server and then sending it down to the browser to be rendered is dumb. Yeah. Like it's better to just take data sets, haul them down, and let the rendering happen on the browser. Yeah. 
And yeah. that ultimately is a guy who does a lot of scaling. That's way more scalable. Less work on server, more work on browsers. Because as the number of users go up, the browsers go up, the servers don't. Yeah. yeah. So what goes wrong practice-wise in MVC now that we've, you know, sang its praises? Right. I mean, you know, the MVC was the whole thing was model view controller, mm -hmm. right? So it was, let's start to separate our concerns. Let's start to focus each thing on what it responsibility is, right? And you know, I mean, you've seen a lot of web forms in your life. For right? sure. And you're solving a lot of problems with web forms and you see the code behind and you see all the code is in the, in the code behind files a lot of times and yep. it's, it's making it harder to test, et cetera. Um, so people started to say, okay, this is cool. I can now separate these things out. I can start to test things, but then. It, they started to, you know, put things where they don't belong. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we have the one of the issues that is very common in MVC is the fat controller, or the pattern known as the fat controller, right. which is basically I dump all my business logic, my data access, everything into the controller. All the codes in the controller. Exactly. So now it's out of the page behind, right? There's no page behind, but now it's all dumped in the controller. Right. Right. Um, that's one of the issues. The other issue is not and providing like a a good kind of a model for for the views and the views doing things that they shouldn't be doing mm -hmm. and sort of like although we have three distinct responsibilities people aren't using them properly they, they tend to figure out one and then do everything in that yeah yeah that's one of the issues this portion of dotnet rocks is brought to you by telerik makers of kendo ui are you a web or mobile developer who wants to build amazing sites and apps Looking for the best tool out there that can really improve your development work? We've got the answer for you. Kendo UI is everything you need to build HTML5 and JavaScript sites and mobile apps. In the complete integrated package, you'll find a jQuery-based tool set that includes rich UI widgets, a powerful data source, dynamic data visualizations, and blazing fast micro-templates all backed by industry-leading professional support. Visit the official Kendo UI website at kendoui.com slash .net, that's D-O-T-N-E-T, to find out more about Kendo UI or download the free 60-day trial with support. Also, Tablet Show number 19 was an interview with Todd Anglin on the Kendo UI. Richard and I talked to him at length about this great tool set. That's at thetabletshow.com, and look for show number 19 in the archives. And when you talk to the Telerik guys, Make sure you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So, how how much training is required? Of you know, can we can we sit in on one best practices talk and in a couple hours learn all the things that we should and shouldn't do in MVC? Or you know, in terms of guidance, tried and true best practices, what goes in the view, what goes in the controller? Is that something you can teach in an hour, or is that something that has to? Uh, is a little more complicated. Well, I mean, one of, one of the talks that I give is real-world MVC, which mm -hmm. I've been doing a couple of years now. And it's my experience over the years, right? And it's about an hour talk. And I do give in an hour what I feel works and what doesn't work. So if you're familiar with MVC, I think you could sum it up. Right. Um, if you're not familiar with MVC, you would probably, you would need to suffer the pain yourself. You right. Know? Because a lot of times... You can say, do it like this. And they're going to say, okay, why? Well, if you haven't suffered the pain, you, you don't, don't understand know why. why right? There is something about, you know, the first clutch in your first car kind of experience. You have to go burn out a clutch <laughs> to understand <laughs> how to handle, you know. So you got to hear that. <laughs> and that bad smell, right? Like that whole experience. It, you got to write code like that once so that you at least have a sense of, okay, what's the right way to do this? Like, yeah. don't, don't let that happen to me again. Exactly. 
And so, you know, if you're familiar with it, you can sum it up in an okay. hour. So go over quickly, sort of best this, this practice model in your real world talk. What do you really focus on? So, I mean, one of, one of the issues is, as I said, is the, is, is the fat controller to try and slim down the controllers mm -hmm. to make sure that they do only one thing because the controller has one responsibility, which is get data from the model push it to the view, get right. data from the view, push it to the model, yeah. right? Now, in this thing, you also end up with repetitive code, right? So if I'm getting data from a database or a, or whatever my domain model right. is, and I'm pushing it over to the view, I'm going to have a lot of things like mapping or getting access to repository and pushing it over. Right. And you end up with controllers that are constantly repeating the same code over this and over again. This goes to here, and this goes to here, exactly. and this goes to here, and... And that also isn't great either. Mm -hmm. So there's other ways to address that. So for example, with MVC, you have the, the very cool extensibility uh, feature, which is the filters, right? And a lot of people don't take advantage of the filters. Um, with, with MVC, when a request comes in, you have uh, on action, which is before an action is executed, yep. on, on, on action executing, which is after, and you have the same for the view, on before executing the view and an after. It's actually the result. Right. You can leverage these, and you can use things like aspect-oriented programming to do repetitive code Hijack repetitive code exactly, in sort of centralized location. Exactly. So a lot of practices is, oh, I want to display a customer. And if the customer doesn't exist, display a page that the customer was not found. Right. Don't write ifs in yeah. 10 actions, right? <laughs> Push this into a filter and leverage the framework. And thinning up controllers is a lot about leveraging this, a lot about telling them where to put the different... Well, this uh, is one of those experienced code smell things. If I'm repeating myself, I'm not using the pattern well. Exactly. Right. You got that, a problem. That's sort of mindset. There's got to be a better way to go about this. Go yeah. hunt it down. Yeah. Uh, the, the other um, aspect a lot of people struggle with when it comes to MVC is the actual model. Mm -hmm. uh, because in, you know, MVC is, is largely like based on the concept of what people were doing in the Rails world, right? Mm -hmm. With Ruby on Rails. And in Rails, when you start a new project, you have a model. It's called Active Record, right. and that's what you work with, mm -hmm. right? In MVC, up to recently, there was no concept of a model. It was just empty. You could define what your model is. So people didn't know what to do in a model, right? Right, and how to do a model. Can you do you do a strongly typed model? You know, a, sta a class where you have IntelliSense in the view and you can look up the properties and display mm -hmm. them. Do you use a, a dictionary, which is the view bag, or do you use a dynamic type? which is now new in C-sharp. Right. So a lot of my, my talks is always foc also focused around where each solution fits best because there is no bu silver bullet. Right. It, depending no on right the context, yeah. Depending on the context, you, you should use one thing or another. Mm -hmm. So it's about that. Then, of course, we apply the general programming principles like um, uh, decoupling. Right. A lot of one of the issues with MVC is if it's separated, but if you start to access your data from your controller without using any form of dependency injection, et cetera, you're going to run into an issue when you're doing testing. Right. Right. Which so, is one of the main things really, Guthrie talked about this the very first time he showed it, the, this prototype MVC was making a testable infrastructure for a website. Exactly. Right. And so it's, you know, it goes around how to make sure you make a decoupled solution. So mm -hmm. we, I, I talk about IOC containers, uh, about how to inject your IOC container, how to also try and do a, like a pluggable model where you can just pretty much like drop control, uh, drop controllers in and have them auto, um, recognize themselves and things like that. What kinds of anti patterns are going to kill scalability in MVC? I think, uh, probably, Heavy, you know, 
pretty much anything that will kill an, any other type of web mm -hmm. application. So things like, you know, uh, getting too much data at one time, getting too much data at once, rendering too much, you know, um, the, the typical thing is like, I, I want a grid. Right, right. Uh, I put a grid on, and, and I want every customer in that grid. Yeah, I don't care. It. I have a million customers. I want every customer in that yeah. grid. Why? Well, because uh, my customers said because, so. Because yeah, right? yeah. It's like why? Well, because the previous app had it. Why? Well, I don't know. Yep. Well, because that's how we used to search for things back twenty years ago, right? <laughs> Now we don't need that anymore. Yeah. But you know, um, so uh, data access. You know, the, the getting all the data at once, um, having long performing operations on the server again. Mm -hmm. Um, fortunately, in the new version of MVC, I mean, MVC has had support for asynchronous models from pretty much day one sure. of version two, but they're making it even easier. Yeah. So every new version is going to be even easier. So you can make asynchronous controllers. So you can fire and forget because you have the same issue with the threads locking in ASP.NET sure. on a long running process. And you have very, you have, uh, even more thread constraints on a server than you do on the client because at least on the client, you know, you're using the processor of the client. Yeah. The server is sharing those threads with all of the clients. Exactly. And that ultimately becomes the biggest resource constraint. Uh, what's your preferred data access method? I was just going to ask that, Richard. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like it when we're in sync. Um, in terms of, uh, in terms of framework or in terms of how, how I would access data. Okay. Let me, yeah. <laughs> let me try and explain yeah, what you do. Yeah. So I've, you know, I, it, There's an, there, there is, of course, for example, entity framework. Yep. Right. So entity framework is, is really good for, uh, certain types of applications. If you're doing kind of crowd work, it, it's very good. What I have found over the years is that be it entity framework, be it n hibernate, um, when you start to have these big relationships, it starts to become hard to work with it. Right. Right. Because you start to have to think about inside your application, when do I need to do easy loading? When do I need to do lazy loading? Mm -hmm. And there's some major anti-patterns of um, using Entity Framework or in Hibernate or any ORM incorrectly from MVC. Right. Right. One yes, of well, as soon as you're on web, an awful lot of that behavior is moot, right? These are such short duration executions like, Lazy yeah. loading? When am I going to have time? Yeah, exactly. Load it now because I need it now. <laughs> I'm too lazy for yeah. lazy loading. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I need really lazy loading. <laughs> I need dog lazy loading. <laughs> <laughs> He's a silly man. <laughs> I mean, one one of the one of the issues is is exactly that, which which goes back to the. Which type of model do I use in the right. patterns, anti-patterns, which is if I get a data, if I get a customer object and I'm using with entity framework yep. and I dump that over to a view, right? And I say, and I've got like, you know, name, um, surname, telephone, invoices. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know what? Invoices is going to be lazy loaded. So that's fine. When I'm listing my customers, it's not going to hit invoices, right? right? It's lazy loaded. Now you get a developer on the team that you say, oh, you know, I want a list of invoice numbers. So he says, oh, look at this. I got this invoice and I'm going to um, just access it. Right. Now you hit the select M plus one problem, right? Because it's lazy loaded. So every request rendering on the view, it's going to hit the server. Yeah. Right. And it's going to get that data from the database. So I found that the ORMs, anyone in general, it, it becomes kind of hard. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing now is trying to, simplify in terms of if I'm just reading stuff, I can just, you know, not use ADO.net, but there are other things like simple data right. um, or any just just get the data. Even within Hibernate or Entity Firmware, you can just query, just do a SQL query and yeah. get the, get Go the, get the stuff data. In it, yeah. And then map it into, a, into an object which represents exactly what it is you want. 
And then when you want to do updates or whatever, then use your domain model. So it's kind of, the, I don't use ORMs all the way. Right. I use them in a different Are you starting to look at some NoSQL solutions to sort of avoid some of that? I mean, an awful lot of what's happening in there is to deal with the difference between what our objects want and what the database has. Yeah. I have been working for for some time with CouchDB. Oh, yeah. Um, And then I dumped CouchDB (laughs) because I fell in love with Raven. You know, Uh, you're not the first person to say that. I mean, I was... Allende's got something there. It's very interesting. You know, it was... When was this? This was like last year or two years ago. I was sitting with... um, with uh, Rob mm-hmm. at um, at Ordev, and we were discussing um, RavenDB. No, Rob um, Ashton. Rob Ashton, went, yeah. yeah. And we were we were discussing RavenDB, and I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I said, you know, it's really cool. I I love what um or um Ian is doing, mm-hmm. but I was skeptical. You know, yeah. I mean, he he the guy's got a lot of potential, but I was skeptical. But I'm really happy that the success he's having mm-hmm. because it is really awesome. I mean, and. And he's, he's, I, I said to, um, one of the guys that works with him, I said, you still got my quote on the website there. <laughs> I'm like, is it because you don't have any other quotes or did you really like it? But it's perfect. What I was saying to them is because they've taken the concept of no SQL, right? Of document databases and they've made it accessible to people that are used to ORMs. Relational. Right. Yeah. And they've said, this is how you do it. And it just works. Mm-hmm. I, I'm loving it. And we're we're starting it now. I'm doing a internal project right now at JetBrains, and we are we're going to be using RavenDB. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So now becoming your preferred store ahead of SQL Server, or when I'm not going to use SQL Server. Right now, for the last projects I've been doing, I've been just using um, uh, RavenDB. Well, okay. before that, I've, I I used um, CouchDB, mm-hmm. and uh, now I'm RavenDB. What was it in particular you didn't like about CouchDB? It's it's not so much what I didn't like. I mean, the problem with CouchDB is that it has uh, its document database, much like RavenDB. And actually, RavenDB is based on the concept of Couch. But the problem with Couch is that when you start to do a lot of uh, uh, more complex views, um, you have to delve a lot into JavaScript. Oh, okay. right. Um, all the views in CouchDB are pretty much written in JavaScript. Hmm. And I'm thinking, you know what? I mean, one of the ideas I had, and we were actually talking to Rob Ashton at the time, was because I had done a library for CouchDB for .NET users, right? It was called Easy CouchDB to access CouchDB from .NET. Mm -hmm. And I was saying to him, I said, you know what? One of the ideas I have is that you can write link and then take that link, translate it into JavaScript, push it as a view in CouchDB, and then, you know, so people can more or less do simple link queries Mm -hmm. and yet have Couch. And then I'm like, That's kind of crazy. Yeah, why? There's RavenDB. I end up doing this and he's doing it a million times better than me, right? And RavenDB started to pick up and I just said, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. So it's not so much what I did disliked about Couch, but more I'm like, I like the direction Raven is going. Right. And I wanted to try it. If you're a .NET developer, it's a no-brainer because you get all that link. Definitely. No-brainer. My only um, kind of, the only issue per se with, with Raven right now is that it requires... Um, Windows, but you know where Azure is going right now, and uh, the solutions they're providing, mm-hmm. and now you have um, Raven in the cloud. Yeah, it's definitely a no-brainer now. Yeah, very interesting. Because before, you know, if you wanted to host, it was CouchDB or CouchDB. Right. You had to host your own Raven. Yeah. Now, no longer. So right? you got, yeah, we certainly get those options. Yeah. Just you know, we, we really haven't seen a lot of document data stores in the cloud. It's most of the time we think big table and 
just the real simple yeah, name value pairs in the cloud is the common one. So it's, yeah. it's good to see they're going up there as well. I mean, Microsoft is doing Hadoop as well now, right? Well, yeah, but Hadoop's a different critter. Right? It's uh, column-based now. Well, it's also... It, that, that's not about transactional. That's about analysis. I have a huge pile of data and I want to analyze okay. it. It's really where you see Hadoop saying that this... Simplifying the transactional side, and it's certainly something I'm fascinated in, is a guy who was always on the transactional side yeah. of databases to say, and, it, and again, I appreciate this, but Iandy took transactional integrity seriously. Yeah. You know, he's following the rules especially well. So that makes me happy. But this idea of keep the data as native to the entry form style as possible so you don't make the, make the user wait while you store it in a relational database, I yeah. like that. Sometimes later I might decompose into relational databases. I got all these analysis tools that work so well there, but you know that separation makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Any other elements in M in your MVC apps you think are key to being successful? Uh, I mean, if, if you do the loose coupling, if you keep things where they belong, mm -hmm. and if you're not dogmatic about your models right. and your views. I think it, you're more or less okay. Mm -hmm. um, don't don't say you know I'm going to use static typing for my models and static typing all the way. Don't right right. Just don't. Um, you know there is there's a lot of people that are reluctant to using a dynamic keyword in C sharp because they they have this belief that you shouldn't mix dynamic and static language and it's such nonsense. Mm. I mean I had a talk today on um, JavaScript patterns and anti patterns mm -hmm. and I can show you so many um, scripts. Uh, you know, JavaScript code where it is actually using the type system to determine what to do. Nice. Right? So it's a, you know, it's, it's not a strongly typed language, but it uses embrace the type system. You know, there's nothing wrong with the type systems. And at the same time, embrace dynamic. Well, it's just meta information, yeah. right? Really? Yeah. So, you know, those are the, those are the, the key things. Um, and then when we start to talk about, uh, things like restful systems and that. There, I have a little bit different opinion than the, than the mainstream on that. Before I go tearing down that path, I think it's that happy time again. That's right. It's time to give away a Telerik Ultimate Collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And today's winner is Kevin Devi. Congratulations, Kevin. Golf, golf clap for you, sir. Golf clap for Kevin. And uh, Kevin, we're going to hook you up with that. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the .NET Rocks fan club where it's free to enter and we give away something every show. And every December, we're going to give away $5,000 worth of technology. Now, we will decide later on in the year, but I have my eye on a 64-core machine that I'd like to build. How would you like a 64-core machine? If you ship it to Spain, I'll love it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they could figure out how to solve the economy problem in Spain, you know, oh, with a 64-core machine. <laughs> Well, I just think, and we're making the right choice by not deciding now, because we you know Moore's Law applies as we get closer to December, new gear coming out. You know, maybe it's an awesome laptop. Maybe it's, maybe one of these ta these uh, uh, Surface machines is going to get down in price enough that we could get one of those for a while. Or maybe it's something we have not even seen yet. Yeah, I really don't know. I'm excited for it. It's going to be fun to build it. Whatever it is, it'll be awesome. Because that's the price point that's just beyond, like, oh my God, I can get that. You know, yeah. For most people. So uh, go to the website at donnetrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff link, answer a few questions, and you will be entered to win. Hey, Richard. Yes, sir. You know, we've had Oranini on the show a couple of times talking about RavenDB. What is that? Well, RavenDB is a transactional open source document database. It's written in .NET. And we've had a couple of guests on the show talking about the projects they've built with it because it's really focused on real requirements for real-world applications. Yeah. 
RavenDB is all about building high-performance, low-latency applications quickly and efficiently. And you know, this summer, the RavenDB core team is hosting some training events and user group meetings in the United States and several others around the world. And they want us to learn more about that at ravendb.net slash DNR. So uh, those are things that Richard asked you uh, are key to success in MV, MVC. What about keys to failure? What, can, what if you do can not guarantee, but, uh, you know, is it, what are the red flags when you see what you see in an MVC uh, application that say, mm, this isn't going to work? Um, I would say probably the main red flag in terms of um, failure, uh, if we're talking about maintainability, which is one of the key points that, you know, we try to obtain with MVC, right. is not doing things where they belong. So as I, you know, what I was saying before, just mixing things up, right. putting stuff in the controller, having a lot of repetitive code, mm. not doing correct coupling, sorry, decoupling. Um, th there's a lot of things. There is actually one other point of, of MVC, which, which is kind of a pain point. Um, and that is the, you know, with, with MVC, when you, when you make a request uh, on the URL, you normally have yeah. like, for example, ca customer slash details. Right. And what that does, it goes to a class customer and then it goes to a method called details, right? Yeah. Which is the action. What happens often is that since we're bound, restricted by the framework that, uh, you know, actions, in the URL correspond to an actual class, yeah. a lot of times we get very, very large classes with a lot of actions. Um, and that is also sometimes painful because you, you now, the, all these different actions start to require different dependencies. Sure. Right. So even though you're doing dependency injection, right, you're decoupling, but now you got a class with seven dependencies. Mm. And that's just as bad as, as, you know, not having dependency injection. So how do you separate out those actions? That's a problem. How do you decompose them? That's a problem because the framework out of the box doesn't let you do it easily. So now you've got to hack around. Now you've got to try and um, there's been attempts to do things what we call like controllerless actions. So mm. basically, instead of having one class and, in, uh, and having all these different actions inside that class, you could have one class per action and then just delegate it off, put something in front of that um, routing mechanism that delegates it off. There are ways to do it, but that's another alarm signal because it, it leads to a lot of tightly bound classes, even though, again, we're using dependency injection. Don't laugh at me. Oh, you laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have a particular dependency injection library you enjoy? Oh, I've I've been a long time fan of um, Jeremy's uh, structure map. Jeremy yeah. Miller. You like structure map? I like structure map. Um, There's so many choices out there. There's so many choices. And I, I really don't believe in rolling your own. No. Because it's really not that complicated, but it's always the details that seem to make the difference. Yeah. Um, the, unless you're unless you're Philip, you know, Philip Lorano. Yeah. You, you don't yeah, you don't roll. Philip Lorano rolls his own languages. Yeah, he just <laughs> does everything. <laughs> that guy's crazy. Uh before the break there, we were talking, we were just about to dive into rest. And I know you have some strong opinions here. Yeah. Rest is your friend, right? Rest is my friend. <laughs> um, the, so. Although judging from your eyes, it looks uh, like not uh, lately. No. <laughs> I was, no, I was just, um, uh, I was just remembering someone says, was saying on, on, on Twitter the other day, they were saying that, um, um, a lot of the restful solutions that mm -hmm. are apparently out there are kind of like, um, you know, uh, resty. I said they're more like restless. Right? <laughs> Restish. <laughs> yeah. Restish. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, 
first of all, we got to distinguish between HTTP API and REST, right? right? Because a lot of people, including us, mm-hmm. right, at JetBrains, we have HTTPI app, um, interfaces to our applications that we call REST. Right. And it's not. Okay. Okay? REST is, according to the guy that defined it, Roy Fielding, is a series of, if you follow a series of constraints, you will benefit from some of the advantages that have been successful in the web, worldwide web. Right. Right? Um, the problem is that, you know, rest is a catchy word and everyone does rest now. Yes. Right? Everything is very restful. Everything's very restful and it's not. So, first of all, there's that. You know, let's distinguish between what is an HTTP API, which is, I got a, you know, I got an MVC. As soon as you got MVC, you got an HTTP API. Sure. Because your view, your view is calling out to your API. Right. right? And then you have another thing, which is REST, which, cert, you know, as I said, there's like four uh, main obligatory constraints that you have to follow, right? Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, uh, embrace the the verb so that it's a uniform uh, uniform uh, interface, you know. that One of the benefits of that is that, you know, with SOAP, you had to have a WSDL file that yep. told you all the operations there are. Sure. But in REST, if we follow the constraint that we limit the operation to five verbs, for instance, yeah, we're, or five Everybody methods, always knows. Everybody always knows, yeah. right? And if we re- limit what we have, our entry points as resources, everybody knows. Now we've got resources and here's what we can do with them. Right. That's it, right? There's a couple of more constraints. One of them, which is the most important one, is the hypermedia, mm-hmm. right? And that is about treating... So basically, the, the, the way I kind of explain it is, you know how the web works? You go to Amazon, yeah. Right. And you say, Oh, click on this link. Click on this link. Click on this. I navigate. Right. As a user, I go to Amazon and I navigate the, my the way. The linking through. metaphor, page to page. Exactly. Take that same concept and have one process talk to another process in the same way. Mm-hmm. Have the, the process that you're calling provide you with the navigation links that tell you where you can go from now on. Right. That offers various benefits. It offers you the flexibility of changing the flow of the application. You always add a new link. You always always take add a, link, a new away. link. It also pushes, and what's very important, it pushes state from the server to the client. Right. There's a, and it's sort of a requirement of take what you need to the next page through exactly. that link. And also, which now opens up the benefit of being able to use the caches, the proxy, everything mm-hmm. the World Wide Web offers. All that infrastructure is already yeah. built. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the restful um you uh, interface that you know unfortunately not a lot of people do mm-hmm. um but my grudge with this is you know that recently microsoft has has you know we had wcf and then we had wcf web api right right which great friend glenn has been working on yeah highly respect likes it a lot likes it a lot although he's now a node guy um <laughs> 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 there is quite the proliferation of server technologies, isn't there lately? It's, it's out of control. It's crazy. Yeah. Everybody's got to have a job. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> We're keeping the economy going, Keep right? People busy. <laughs> um, so we have the, we have the, now Web API has been packaged under ASP.NET MVC. Right. And, and here's, and open source in the process. And open source. Yeah. Here's my issue. Now you go to the website. You talk to the people, you look at the tutorials, and they say, okay, here's a sample of how to do it. Here's your web API, which is for your RESTful or HTTP API. So right. use web API for your API. And for your user interface, use MVC. Yeah. And I disagree, hmm. right? I disagree because, first of all, with MVC, you can do pretty much everything that you could do with web API. 
Right. Right. MVC has enough extensibility points, and this is something I showed to, on Friday in my talk, mm -hmm. where you can actually do the same thing. On the other hand, with a web API, you can do pretty much what you can do with MVC. Mm -hmm. The disadvantage right now, the main disadvantage with uh, MVC, uh, with web API is that there is no um, view engine. So you can't render out Razor or ASPX, et cetera. Right. But they're both capable. And I feel that if you're telling people that, you know, separate your API from here and then do your user interface from here, you're not really embracing HTTP. Hmm. And I think HTTP is, it's not a trans, it's not a transport protocol. It's an application protocol. We have status codes. You know, th there's so much there we can leverage. Yeah. So much information we get to pass. Exactly. You know, all the headers, all, all the information about caching, about redirects, about new locations. There's so much there that we can leverage. Right. And I, and I think that my user interface, when you go to my website and you log in and you navigate through my pages, that is just one usage of my API. Right. Right. And if I do a single API that is good for both process, so machine to machine talk and user interface, mm -hmm. for me, that's good. Now I'm not, you know, you can choose web API or you can choose MVC. I'm mm -hmm. just saying don't push people down that artificial divide. There isn't just one right way here. Yeah. I mean, but you know, Glenn, you know, him and I are good friends. We respect each other. Mm -hmm. Here he sees my point of view, but he also appreciates the other point of view of dividing things up. So that's my kind of grudge, but nice. hey, live and let live, right? Absolutely. That's our motto. But it does, you know, you, you want everything gathered together and, and using REST that way. Web API just seems like a yet another way to do the same thing. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know that it gives any advantage. It does. I mean, one of the advantages that REST uh, Web API gives over MVC is that you can do self-hosting. Right. So with M MVC right now, you can't. With Web API, you can Right, so you can have an executable self-hosted, yeah, off right? you go. Yeah. yeah, or service. Um, but again, that this is certain classes of app that makes sense, but you know you can make those decisions up front. Yeah, but around Web API, there's also an open source um, Web API contrib. Mm -hmm. So now they've added view engines there. Yeah. Um, and again, use that, use mm. it. But when you're thinking about your application, think about it as 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 a as a you know one thing, right? Don't yeah. try and do this divide of the API versus UI. Surfing the web? Yeah, you ever try to surf the web on your phone? It's a little small. Especially when you're looking at a big list like the new feature list for Active Report 6. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we've been using it for 15 years. You know, the coolest new feature, I think, is the new Silverlight Report Viewer. What's cool about it, of course, is it's both native Silverlight for printing, but it's also got PDF support, so that really minimizes the amount of data that has to come over the wire. Makes it a lot more efficient. Well, we've been looking for a good solution for Silverlight data viewing. Yeah, it's a great product. I, I think I'm going to order it. Not on that. No, not on here. I'll go to my desk first. Active Reports from Grape City Power Tools. Smarter components for smarter developers. Is there anything on your wish list for the next version of MVC? Um, I would probably say the main issue that I have, which is controllerless actions, which we were talking, right, we about, were talking before. about before. Let me spit individual classes out yeah. that are actions 
and embrace the framework, you can do it now. Yeah. But you lose a lot of the tooling around MVC because MVC follows the conventions. So it knows where your models is. It knows everything. If you separate it out, you lose a lot of that. So I think that's one of my major gripes. If they right. could add that, that would be really awesome. Because then you're basically degranularizing or granularizing. Yeah. Granular, yeah. Not well, yeah, you're breaking that stuff Breaking off. it down, yeah, yeah. decomposing. That's yeah. what I meant to say. Do you want to talk a bit about route management in MVC? Yeah, sure. So, do you get preferred methods? How do you organize things? So, actually, th that, that that's a good question because one of the one of the issues with um, let, let's actually pick up the the MVC thing. Um, if you're using ASP.NET MVC right now, out of the box, you have actions and you have controllers, right. and the routes know about your controllers, know about your actions. They mm -hmm. route to it, right? Now, if you're doing a RESTful approach, right, where you don't have because with MVC, you have a controller and you have operations. Mm -hmm. With REST, you don't, right? With REST, you have resources and you have a set number of operations on those, right. which are get, put, post, yeah. delete, etc. Yeah, right. right? Just your, your five verbs. Yeah. So there is a, there's a mismatch between um, HTTP, uh, between REST and the way resources are. And that's because of the routing, right? So... What you could do there is you could use a uh, convention-based routing, which is which is actually a, a project that I threw up, an open source project, which is called EasyMVC. Mm -hmm. And what that does is basically you can say, you know what, here I have a controller, and I'm going to uh, take uh, the ver the a method which is called edit, and I I want you to map that to edit, right? right? To just... sorry to um to a uh, put, right, with a URL of customer. Isn't that already a, a feature? That's a feature of Web API. Of Web API. Not yeah. of MVC. Yeah. And my project is like two years old, oh, okay. right? So I did that. So basically, you would have routing convention, right? Sorry, mm -hmm. routing convention. That's okay. You would have a routing convention. Your routing is what you do to your Android tablet. <laughs> R-O-U, not R-O-O. Okay. Routing convention. Mm -hmm. um, to, to map, you know, your, your operations to, to verbs and not have to de decorate every attribute. Right. Um, and, you know, MVC is flexible in that it allows you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other areas in, in terms of REST is the content negotiation, which is important, right? Uh, one of the things that REST says is that a resource has different representations. So when I, when I hit customer slash, you know, 25, that could bring me back a page with a customer record. Beautiful. If I do customer slash 25 and in my, uh, header, uh, I say instead of content type, text html i do application slash json what do i want to get i want to get a json representation of yeah. that resource string of text exactly if i do application i'm um, sorry image.jpg i want to get a picture of that customer hmm. right it's just different representation of the same resource right out of the box again mvc doesn't provide that mm -hmm. but using filters it's very easy because basically what you can do is remember i was saying that there's a filter which is called on results uh, executing right you can hook into that and say, let me examine the content type. What is it looking for? Oh, it's looking for JSON. Right. I'll just take the model that you're pushing to me. I'll serialize that. Yeah. And I'll push you a JSON model. Basically name value pair it out to you. Yeah. But if you could, you could also mark it up as image and that would mean grab a totally different set of data. Go get yeah. the picture of this customer and send that down. Yeah. Or XML or, yeah. or an no, atom feed or anything. Makes sense to me. Yeah. And again, that is so easy to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so these are, these are extensibility points that MVC offers you. And again, going back to the whole web API versus MVC, 
why didn't we just leverage this? Mm -hmm. right? Why didn't we? Why didn't we just continue down this path? Because, you know, I guess it gives us or, well, when I used to be in consulting, a good job. But, like, <laughs> sure. you know, people like, like, which one should I choose? Yeah. You know? There's no, there's no set way. And, you know, I mean, both will work. Both will work. I mean, we, where do they fall down? Just in the scalability or maintainability? Like, wh where's the problem? Th there isn't. I mean, they're both based on the same IHGTP handlers, right? right? It's all boils down to the same .NET framework. It's all, sure. you know. And it really it's comes just, down to your preference. Yeah. I mean, you imagine that who who's I, I was talking to the other the other day, and he actually mentioned it, which is not official information. He said he said I think that probably what they'll do in the next version of MVC mm -hmm. is offer self hosting. So you're like, okay. Now you're just making my choice even harder. Yeah, right. Because now I got view engines in both. I got self-hosting in both. What the hell am I meant to do? Yeah. You know, and it's choice is good, but not when you're giving me the same thing over yeah. and over again and same saying same choices in yeah. more places. Just exactly. make it harder to actually filter down to the things I need. Yeah. Yeah. So, I wanted to innovate there. Don't don't sort of do this backfill, make it like everybody else. Yeah. Add something new. Yeah. It is, it is, it's crazy. But We'll see where all this web development goes because right now I'm I'm uh, I've been I've I love web development. Mm -hmm. I mean I've been doing it f from years. I mean I started with a uh you know with implementing SMTP MIME HTTP protocols. Right. I just love everything to do with TCP and web. Um, but I've I've I don't know I don't know where we're going. So what's next for you? Uh, I got uh finish up here and then i'm heading out to um what's next for me switzerland no you're not in doing summer. tech ed no i'm not doing tech ed i'm on switzerland that week oh okay um i'm doing um some mountain climbing in oh, switzerland nice. and i'm um, doing some talks uphill. yeah so which mountain are you climbing i don't know someone set it off for me no i'm not don't i'm not sophisticated like that he's like do you want to go hiking i'm like okay let's do that <laughs> so i just know i'm hiking in switzerland Get i don't know where. it's somewhere near lucerne so it's i don't know where do you get to, do, do problems get solved when you're like doing that kind of thing? Oh, you mean meditate? Yeah, meditation no. kind of. I, me I meditate when I'm trying to put my little one to sleep. Right. <laughs> like screaming, I just like abstract myself from it and <laughs> try to figure out. <laughs> yeah, I'm not here. He's like, you're not irritated by the screaming? I'm like, no, I'm meditating. No, no, I solved a great problem. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm really stuck on these debugging. I'm going to go hit my kid. <laughs> <laughs> Scream for me. Come on. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> well, Hattie, thanks very much. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Hey, thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on .NET Rocks and other experts in the field. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com.
got a transmitter band. 